Welcome to the Press Pass Podcast. I'm Kyle Koster. My guest today is the one and only Adrian Wojnarowski. We talked about his narrative podcast series, The Giannis Draft, which comes out in three installments, all available today as part of his Woj pod. We looked back at this story that hasn't been told in this way before and all the interesting ways that history could have been different. Uh, it is a look at the origin story of one of basketball's best players. I listened to the first two episodes and I want to congratulate you. I think I thought that they were really interesting and I thought that they showed um, your storytelling ability. And that's kind of what I wanted to drill down on. Um, what attracted you to getting to tell a long form story like this? You know, I wrote the miracle at St. Anthony and was a general columnist at the very beginning of my career and um, you know, wrote a lot of long form. And this was the sort of natural extension. Uh, the, the podcast is a natural extension of the there's an ability to make the pod a, a, an extension of unit here at ESPN or I think to um, you know I started the podcast you know wanting to um, do it a little differently than it had been done certainly around the NBA and and I think to me it was just the next logical step it, it you know we started working on this over a year ago and I remember I was going to go see Giannis in Milwaukee I think it was like late February and then we got put off and then all of a sudden we got into early March where we realized travel was not going to be easy and then all of a sudden everything got shut down and we had to push the interview with him to the bubble. Um, and the plan was always to have this for the draft. The draft kept get, getting moved back and our ability to, I wanted to do it in person. I didn't want to do it, um, interview. I didn't want to do over like a Zoom. I wanted to sit with him and uh, I do think that made a lot of the difference with it. I've known Giannis since he's come to the league and had a relationship with him. I went and did, I think, one of the first long-form pieces on him when I was at Yahoo. His rookie year, I was there before he even started the game. I was playing just a little bit and went and spent a couple of days with him in Milwaukee and so started a relationship with him there. And, um, yeah, I was looking for an event and looking for an event to, to build off of. And, you know, Christina Douglas, who... Uh, oversaw the project and runs NBA digital and a lot more at ESPN. We had talked about a way to, to do one of these and, and uh, landed on the Giannis idea last year. I just knew there, there's a lot there um, that hadn't been told. And it was a great, and, and having him ultimately be the centerpiece of the story and, and the, the if. I do think the series works, but it largely works because Giannis was so uh, at the place in his life. And, and if you listen to him, you can hear the enthusiasm, the sincerity, the, the emotion that he runs through and recounting it all. And things, I had done dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews and purposely tried to save him for last. Mm -hmm. So I knew exactly where I'd want to go. And his recall and his ability to, you know, there were certain instances I didn't know if he'd remember it at all. And I don't just remember he, he had, he just has a very photographic, um, visual, uh, detail oriented mind. And he, 
things stay with him. And uh, so much in this story was his ability to um, really thrive and, and hear him in a way that I don't think people have heard him before. Uh, he doesn't do a lot. Uh, typically, I look through, I, I've kind of done one sit down with him a year. I did one last year for, for NBA Countdown. And this year, it was built around this. Uh, but he doesn't do a lot. <clears throat> he doesn't do a lot of them. And I think uh, he's so bright and he's so engaging and so smart and he's got a great sense of humor and, and a very serious and he's just as serious-minded of a person as I would tell you I know in any walk of life. I don't know many people who do anything in the world, whatever their craft is, who are as serious-minded about it as him. I think so much of that comes through in the interviews and the, and the time we spent doing this. You mentioned something interesting in that he hasn't spoken about a lot of this stuff. And I was thinking about him as one of our finest athletes. And I think that with so many, we know the origin story. We know the background. We know about Michael Jordan shooting in his backyard. We know about getting cut from his JV team. We know about LeBron James, um, you know, who's been a phenom forever. I think that Giannis is kind of a bit of an enigma because it's like he just came and he showed up in the NBA and he immediately dominated. What do you think about the idea of this, for lack of a better term, serving as kind of like the definitive origin story for him? Well, I'd certainly be proud if people viewed it that way. And I do think we covered a lot of new ground in the pod series and, um, you know, the, the time in Greece and with his Greek agent, you know, uh, Yorgos Tano, who you know, took, him to a, took him to a doctor for a physical, and the doctor thought he was looking at, um, he was looking at the charts of a seven-year-old grandfather uh, based on the nutrition level of Giannis at 16, 17, and, and, and just some of those details of how he lived, uh, how he grew, as a young man, and uh, it, it, it is remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable to think that a player can go 15th in the NBA draft in seven months, um, between seven and eight months earlier. Nobody in the NBA knew his name. He was playing in essentially you know, the second division of Greece, which is like as I call it, glorified rec league. Is one is one NBA executive said to me who went to see him. I'm not sure anybody else could touch the backboard besides the. Uh, and, and the Kuvo brothers, uh, it was just guys. It was just guys playing. <clears throat> he dominated. He averaged nine points a game. But, but to come out of nowhere like this and become a two-time MVP, to become you know one of the dominant players, perhaps maybe dominant player of his era, and he advances into his you know into his career and his game keeps it, it, it evolving. So yeah, there's never been a story quite like this. And so it was fertile ground and. Um, you know, the, the, the three individuals I worked on, whether Christina Douglas, the men, Andrew Hahn, Troy, Troy Farkas, this was a very small group of people at ESPN who um, did this. It wasn't done under the 30 for 30. Uh, you know, Ramona Schoenberg did that magnificent Sterling Affairs thing. We, we did it with a very small group of people, and uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, the narrative, laying out the narrative and the audio and the interviews and, and putting it into three uh, you know, three separate um, episodes and, and building the, even though the one thing I was proud of, even though you knew what happened, you knew, 
you knew Milwaukee picked them at 15. I felt like you were able to create drama um, within that, even though you kind of knew still how how it ended and, and how it turned out. Do you get as big of a thrill um, going about structuring something like this, telling uh, a, a narrative? I, I, I was struck by the amount of flourishes in it. You, there's a lot of scene setting. There's a lot more adjectives than you would see in an ESPN.com story. Um, do, you, do you get a thrill from stretching that muscle as much as, as, as breaking the big news? And, and how, are they, how are they alike and how are they different? Well, you know, my career has been pretty varied. I know, like, nobody ever heard of me until I was in my mid-30s at Yahoo. Um, but I did write a New York Times bestseller, Miracle St. Anthony, and I was a general columnist and did a very different, had a very different career track. Um, so those are all important things. It's just my focus. You know, you can't do everything. I know people, like, you just, the specialization of my job now <clears throat> limits you um, to how much time you can spend on projects like this. This project doesn't get done without Douglas and Han and, and Barkas. They really carried me in a lot of ways. We, you know, I did the interviews and I wrote the script, but they shepherded the whole. I had great help on this, and so that's the one uh, fun thing about working here. The talented people around you and like this I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to really again this was something I hadn't I hadn't done a narrative podcast series before and uh, none of the four of us had worked on anything quite like this and it doesn't I'm very proud of it but I'm, I'm really proud of the people I did it with because um they helped shape the story and the music. You know, Christina Douglas is, is, she's of Greek heritage. And so I joked with her that she had raided her grandmother's, the A-track tapes, cassette tapes in her grandmother's closet. Because we just had great, great music that took you, made you feel like you were sitting there in Athens. And um, she's as talented as anybody I work with at ESPN. As talented as anybody, she's gonna be a big star here she, she runs a lot she's going to do a lot more and it was fun to work on a project andrew han who, who really did the guts of the producing um yeah it was just fun to collaborate i, I like that's the one thing i really love about working at espn is whether you whether it's on news or whether it's on a project like this you get to collaborate with people and um that to me there's no place uh, this is there's no place quite like this and uh there's so many really skilled versatile people and it was four people setting out to try something none of us had really done in this discipline and so we'd love to do it again and i'm i, I hope we will do it again um but i i felt um yeah th th there's a whole i think this entree into the narrative podcast storytelling um is you know it's something that I think I can continue to do. Um, maybe that's one or two a year, maybe it's one a year. Um, the pandemic probably slowed down. Um, you know, obviously it stretched it out. I, I like doing the interviews in person mm -hmm. and most of them, Dan Perry and Wes Wilcox, I went to Atlanta and sat with them and um, 
some were done during the pandemic. A, a lot of the guys that got when they came from New York on different trips. And, and then when I was on the road and I knew I'd see somebody that I wanted, we'd sit down um, for it. Uh, I think, um, you know, when I would do an, a podcast with a GM about his team and what was going on, I'd say, hey, I need you for 15 minutes. I'm honest. And I just gathered those along the way. And, um, and then these guys put it together and helped shape, you know, the, the three episodes. So a couple things I think I think that your your point is well taken about ESPN being a place where you get to collaborate and I think that just seeing the push being made today uh, by people sharing it talking about how much they enjoyed it I, I how does that make you feel to see your work um, appreciated like that and um, as far as the narrative and, and podcast element goes I've been saying that I think that what you guys have been doing with ESPN daily is really could serve as a blueprint as an open up and and go into a ton of different fields. If you were to do um, um, another one, what lessons would you take from this first one and apply it going forward? Well, your first question, Kyle, uh, to me, there's nothing more important than the respect of the people you work with. Like that's first and foremost, that, uh, to me anyway, that the people you work with, that you're there with every day, that they, how they feel about you and how they view you and how you work with them, how you treat them, um, how you can take in reporting and all the things we do. Um, that's the most important thing to me. I've always felt that way wherever I've worked. And, and it's certainly the case here. So to see colleagues, you know, some of whom who got to listen to it on the weekend before it came out and um, means a great deal because, it, and it's the way I feel about the people I work with here, just how many talented people um, whose work I admire and uh, appreciate every day. And so um, as for the lessons I learned, <laughs> stop breathing into the microphone when people are talking. I could start with that. There's a couple spots there where you can hear where I just need to put the microphone down and get my mouth away from it. That's one. Uh, I learned the hard way because you cringe listening to it. But uh, I think, listen, people still gravitate toward great untold stories. If you can, if you can give people, if they can learn something, can be entertained, if they can be, um, like that, will never lose its impact on an audience. And so the challenge is to find those stories and then execute them and. Uh, again, having, you know, this was one where having Giannis's voice in it, having his agent, Alex Sarasvitz, and his George Pano, who's his Greek agent uh, from overseas, their perspective, because they were in this at the beginning when there was, when they were going on their faith, that they just had something really unique here and special. And uh, for all our production and all of our trying the reason this worked is because Giannis's voice is front and center in it. And um, he spent, I think we talked about an hour and 20 minutes in the bubble right before it was during the seeding round. It was before the playoffs. And um, that made the whole series um, that, that interview we built, we were able to build the whole thing around Giannis's, um, on Giannis, and um, I just think it's it's captivating. It's uh, I remember going back and listening to the audio right away, and just saying, "Wow!" Like when, when he was talking, I remember I just kept looking at the machine, going, 
thing up, man, because you're not, you're not duplicating this. So uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I think that the, the subject always carries your story, and that was certainly the case here. Um, but again, I just say again, Christina Daglitz and Andrew Hahn, Troy Barkis, those guys really helped make this thing come to life because, um, uh, you know, they allowed to put it in a framework and, and, and get this thing through um, to the finish line in a way that, that I wouldn't have been able to do without any of them. So you're telling me in another 20 years, I'm still going to be worried about whether I'm recording things that that fear never goes away. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we've all been there for all of a sudden you look at the machine and you go, okay, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> I got, I've done a couple of podcasts. I did a Gary Harris podcast a few years ago and Gary's such a nice guy. We just recorded it again. I said, you know what? Actually, now I know which questions he answered, which questions he answered. Like it actually helped me doing it the second time. Although I, I would recommend it. Um, uh, to, to, to make people do interviews over. But no, he, Giannis was great, and, and everybody around him was great. And it's such a, there's, there's such an innocence to the story. Everybody really loved, everybody I sat down to interview for who was any part of that, whether they drafted Giannis or didn't draft Giannis, uh, they really, I think, enjoyed talking about it. It was, it's a pretty unique uh, piece of history. I think this is a piece of basketball history uh, that we chronicled, chronicled here. and. Um, I, I remember sitting with Wes at the end of episode one, Wes Wilcox is talking about his interview with Giannis in Italy. And, and I, I got chills in the moment. I remember when Wes was recounting Giannis pounding his finger, his big finger on the table where they were talking saying, I want to be the best player in the world and I want to take care of my family. And I remember as I'm recording it, I remember saying in my mind, I hope the pounding of the table amplifies through the audio because it was powerful sitting in a hotel room in Atlanta with him doing it. And it really did. And it ended episode one. And there were just moments like that. He was emotional. Danny Ferry, Wes Wilcox, both were emotional in retelling the story. You think of how different careers would be. If Giannis ends up in Atlanta, how different that, what that means for everybody involved in this. And so, you know, there's a lot of luck involved and a lot of faith and, Atlanta did every single thing right. They were on him. They knew what they had there. Uh, they really believed he was going to be a star, and they were one. They they missed him by one pick. You make a you make a salient point about that moment of of the podcast because it does feel like someone's adding their own punctuation with each word. And that I I, I remember listening to it, and I was a few feet away, and it, it really caused my ears to perk up because it was something unusual. It really shows the dynamic ways and that sound can be used versus uh, print and, and versus video too. So it's cool that you guys got to explore the space that way. Yeah, it really does. And, and Giannis, especially Giannis's words to hear, he, he just is so buoyant in talking. He's emotional in talking. He's, you know, he, I remember getting chills. It was the last question I asked and it ends the series and the series is when I asked them, what do you remember? I think I asked them, what do you remember? Think, what, what do you remember about walking from the stands down to the stage? And he went on this soliloquy about sort of almost having this out of body, this out of body moment, uh, out of body experience, looking down at himself and thinking of everything he had been through in his life and growing up poor and growing up, uh, in, in uh, 
children of immigrants in Greece and sewing, uh, you know, trinkets and, uh, you know, CDs on the sidewalk in Athens for hours and hours and buying groceries on the way home. All the things that he went through before he was ever a serious basketball player to help his family get by, all of that came to him in that moment. And it just was a very powerful, just a very, it felt like a powerful moment when I, when he was sharing that in the interview, and I think it does come through, um, you know, in, in that episode three. So there are a lot of moments like that, but you're right. The audio itself, it's just a great vehicle to tell a story. It really is. And, um, you know, the sound, whether it's Greek music or, you know, the, the having the audio of the USA-Greece World Championship game in 2006 when Giannis is an 11-year-old kid watching in his living room watching uh, Baby Shaq for Greece to see uh, a Greek player that looked like him and thinking like the world had opened up for him, that, hey, he said to his brothers, we, we could be that. And they, they looked at, um, you know, they looked at Baby Shaq and said, that could be us, and watched him take apart the American team with LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade when they were really young players. And so, uh, so many of those having the audio of that game and, um, you know, I asked Giannis, I didn't know if he remembered that game. And the only did he remember that game, it was a defining moment for him as a young man. And so all of those, um, there's just so many, to me, memorable passages in the three episodes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a great, it, it, it's a great addition. It is, could cause some bad memories for people who had the under in that game. They're still, uh, <laughs> still threading it. Uh, finally... <laughs> Finally, the question uh, I, I think we could close with is there's a great responsibility when it comes to telling someone's story, especially when it's this personal. Um, did you feel the weight of that? Or, and what does that feel like? That is that a lot of journalists talk about how it just makes you feel aware uh, and, and keeps you sharp. And then also what type of feedback did you get from him during the project? And have you heard from him after the project? No, I mean, it just came out today. So um, I'm not sure he's, I, 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 I believe he's going to listen to it. I don't know that he has yet. Um, but I would tell you, yes, you, you, like, you get one chance to tell a story like this right. You get one opportunity, and you know it when you have it. And I remember feeling it for an entire year when I did The Miracle of St. Anthony and going to Jersey City every day and writing that book. And you know when you have something special. Um, and you're always telling yourself, don't screw it up. Like, don't screw this up. The material's there. It's all there. You know, I was in a locker room every day with Bob Hurley Sr. and on the buses and all that. Like, and he's like, this is, it's gold. And you're like, don't screw it up. And there's a part of you with this. You can say, don't screw it up. Uh, I might have without the group that, the, the group that I worked with on it. And they, they saved me from screwing up anything with this and helped to shepherd this story through and so and, and, and the pod series through so I'm grateful to them and I'm grateful to to everybody who sat for Giannis and you know his agents and, and all the people in the league uh, who you know I, I kept telling people like this is a piece of history like you should be a part I, I really believe this is a piece of basketball history and there were certain people in this that I, I had to convince a couple times to say hey like you need to sit for an interview for this because your voice needs to be in this because you played a big role um and and i'm glad they did and i think i hope some of them are glad they did too all right adrian thank you so much uh for taking the time with me today kyle thank, thank you i really appreciate you doing this <laughs>